welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, lead pastor Daryl Anderson takes us through 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. God has provided everything we need for life. What does that life look like and how can we experience it? 2 Peter 1 tells us. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. This morning we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. We finished our Ephesians series and in a few weeks we'll start a new series. But for a few weeks we're just going to kind of do some kind of one-off topical things. So this morning out of 2 Peter I want to talk on the subject of His work in progress. And the essence is we are His work in progress. Denise and I have uh, remodeled just a couple of houses, and I know many of you have kind of done the same thing, so you know what this dynamic is. Basically, you, you buy a house, it needs some work, it's kind of a fixer-upper, but you have a vision of what you know that that house could look like. So when you go and you begin to do the remodel, you're bringing it to that place that you envision. For Denise and I, when we've done it, we've always moved into the house that we're remodeling. So our process has always been, you buy the house, you move into the house, you live in the house, and then you begin to remodel the house. This is a perfect example of what God is doing in us on that point of salvation. We know in 1 Corinthians that we are bought with a price. That price is the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and he bought us with his blood. So we've been bought, and then as soon as by faith we receive Jesus Christ and ask him into our life, at that point he comes in through his spirit and he resides in us. He moves in us, and then he begins this remodeling process in us based on the vision that he has for us. He knows who we are and who we can become, and so he starts this work in us to bring us to that place. Now, there's a little conundrum here. There's a little mystery here. Um, And that is, there's there's another side that we know in Christ we're made new. We know that we experience new birth. We're a new creation. All things are new. So here's the conundrum. How can we be new, but yet we still need work? Doesn't it make sense if we're made new, we don't need any work done because we've already been made new. So it's a mystery in Scripture. There are several mysteries in Scripture. One of them is the Trinity. How can God be three in one? That's very hard to understand and explain. We talked several weeks ago about predestination and free will. This dynamic of do we have a choice in our salvation? Do we choose or has that already been decided for us? And everybody wants to make it an either or, but in reality, Scripture promotes a both and. But it's mysterious. This is another one of those mysteries that simultaneously we are made new in Christ. We are declared new in Christ, but at the same time, we're still his work in progress. Now, our passage kind of identifies both of those. We haven't read it yet, but in verse 9, it says that we've been cleansed. This gives us the made new dynamic. We've been forgiven. We've been washed new. We've been made new. We've been Uh, made righteous, but verse 5 says that we're to make every effort to add some things to our life, and this gives us the indication that there's still some stuff that needs to take place. There's still some work that needs to progress. Colossians 3 says it this way. Colossians 3.10, we have put on the new self, which is being renewed 
in knowledge in the image of its creator. So we have been made new. God has declared us new. But now we're being renewed so that we can manifest the newness that God has established and declared in us. He's made us new. And when he looks at us, he looks at us as new and as righteous because he sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of his son. He's declared us that new, but at the same time, we're still his work in progress. And it's that part of the equation that I want to talk about this morning. His work in progress. So let's look at our passage. 2 Peter chapter 1, we'll pick it up in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brother, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and he has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins." Verse five is kind of the hinge verse. It's the verse that brings the first part of the passage, the last part of the passage together. It's really the foundational part of this passage that says, for this very reason, make every effort to add a variety of qualities to our life. For this very reason, it's really talking about verses three and four. Because he's given us divine power, because he's given us precious promises, because we're partakers of his divine nature, because he has uh, allowed us to escape the corruption of the world, for those reasons, we need to make an effort to do some things. In other words, because God saved us and changed us and he's given ev everything we need for life and godliness, for that reason, we need to make an effort to do something. Now, the phrase make every effort has three connotations to it. It has this sense of urgency. In other words, do it right now. This is important, do it right this minute. It has this sense of eagerness. We ought to be excited about it. It's full of joy, it's anticipation. I can't wait to do this. And it has a sense of earnestness. In other words, this is, this is serious and this needs to be taken very seriously. So what are we supposed to add? Well, he gives us a list of qualities. So let me just identify those, and then we'll, we'll get into what he's really trying to say. The first one's faith. Faith is simply trust followed by actions. In other words, it's trust that is validated by actions. Actions have to, have to come alongside it for it to be genuine trust. I'm sure most of you have heard the, the uh, story of the tightrope walker. He, he's one of the best in the world. And so he's gonna do this one feat where he's multi-stories up on these two uh, office buildings. And he's gonna walk on the tightrope from one building to the next building with no net below. And so you have all these, these audiences on both sides of the, uh, on the ceilings on both buildings. So he starts his stuff and he goes across the tightrope several times doing a variety of things. Finally gets to the end and he grabs a wheelbarrow and he pushes his wheelbarrow 
from one building to the next on this tightrope. Well, the whole time, everybody's just clapping, shouting, oh, you're the greatest, you're incredible, I can't believe you can do all this. Well, he crosses it with the wheelbarrow to the other side, and there's one particular guy just going nuts, just going crazy. Man, you're the greatest tightrope walker in the world. You can do everything. You're, you're tremendous. So this tightrope walker notices this guy, and he comes up to him and says, do you really think I'm the greatest tightrope walker in the world? Oh, absolutely. Think I can do anything with this tightrope? Oh, absolutely. He says, well, get in the wheelbarrow. That's faith. That's this faith, okay? It's followed by actions. But he says, to the faith, add goodness. Goodness here is moral excellence. In other words, my faith does something internal to me, and there's a moral component to this. From goodness, it goes to knowledge. This is not information or statistics. This means understanding. In other words, it's the ability to begin to understand this relationship with Christ and this thing that I'm doing following Christ. From knowledge, you go to self-control. Self-control identifies that there is right and wrong, and self-control has the ability not to do the wrong, but to do the right, to kind of postpone pleasure, to do the things that I ought to do, not the things that I just want to do. That's self-control. From self-control, perseverance. This is patient endurance. It means the ability to stand in persecution and trials, it also means to endure the difficult seasons of life that we all go through. Then it's godliness. That's a general term that's, that's, that speaks to a life trying to honor God, that seeks to honor God. There it's brotherly kindness, which is the Greek word phileo, which is this brotherly affection that we have for one another. And then from that it goes to love, which is agape, that, that, that just will commitment, that unconditional love that we have for people. Now, this group of qualities, there's two connotations here, two concepts. First, I want you to think of these not in context of a symphony concert, or I want you to think of it as a symphony concert, not as a recital, okay? Here's the difference. In a recital, someone stands up, one person, they play their instrument, they do their song, or they sing their song, they complete their song, and they go sit down. And when they're finished, the next person comes up and does their song and sings their songs and finishes it and goes and sits down. And you just keep doing that till everybody finishes. That's not the picture here. The picture is not, okay, I'm going to work on faith and I'm going to develop faith and eventually I'm going to complete faith and have 100% faith and I can check that off and put it aside. Now I'm going to work on goodness. Now I'm going to be good and I'm going to work on that till it's perfect and I'll check it off. Then I'm, that's not the picture here. It's a concert where all the instruments are playing together at one time. Everything's intermeshed and intermingled. That's what's taking place here. All these qualities are intermingled together, and they're all being developed simultaneously. The other aspect here is that it's a continual, ongoing, never-ceasing flow. In other words, this is a lifelong process. There's never going to be a stopping point. There's never going to be a completion point. But these qualities describe Christ-likeness. If you were to look at these qualities, Jesus Christ is the epitome of every one of these qualities. It's a picture of Christ. It's also a picture of Christ-likeness. In other words, it's a picture of spiritual maturity. Really what he's talking about here is growing in Christ, growing towards spiritual maturity. But we are his work in progress. So we are in this process toward Spiritual maturity. So we're to make every effort to what? 
to add these qualities. So what does the word add mean? It probably doesn't mean what you're thinking initially. Typically, when we think of add, it's let's pile more on. Okay, I have two things, and so I'm going to pile on two more things. Now I have four things. It's piling stuff on. I have three chores every day that I have to do at home. Oh, but now you're going to pile another one on and give me a fourth chore. Now I've got a fourth chore. I'm having a hard time finishing the three, and now I've got a fourth one. Or you have a desk full of tasks. You overloaded with files and a job to do, and your boss comes and throws another big pile of stuff on your desk and adds to your pile. Oh, no, that's more stuff that I've got to get done. You're lifting weights. You're, you're lifting 100 pounds, and your trainer comes in and says, no, let's add 20 pounds. Well, I'm having a hard time picking up 100. Now you're adding 20. And so it's this concept of more weight, more burden, more pressure, more work. That's the connotation of add. That's not this definition of add. This definition is really the opposite. It means to support or to supply. And it gives us a totally different word picture of what Peter's trying to say in this passage. So I want to illustrate what he's trying to say. The first illustration is going to deal with how these qualities relate to one another. The second illustration is going to deal with how these qualities relate to us. So to illustrate this, I'm going to have to uh, have a, another episode of low-budget theater. Let's look at what he's saying here. It seems as if what Peter is communicating is I've got faith, and so with my faith, I'm going to add goodness. To my goodness, I'm going to add knowledge. To knowledge, I'm going to add self-control. To self-control, I will add perseverance, and then I will add godliness. On top of that, I'm going to add brotherly kindness. And finally, I'm going to add love. What this looks like is faith is the foundation of everything else that takes place. Everything hinges on my faith. I don't know about you, but that is terrifying to me because I know what my faith looks like. My faith is not strong enough to hold all of this. And so if my faith is the foundational quality, my spiritual maturity and growth is in desperate trouble. But that's not what he's saying because the word add doesn't mean to pile on top. It means to support So really what he's saying is starting from the bottom up and he's saying love is going to support brotherly kindness. Your brotherly kindness, that supports godliness. Godliness is going to support perseverance, which supports self-control, which supports knowledge, which gives a supply and a support to goodness, which supports and supplies my faith. The word picture is that it all starts with faith. By grace, we are saved through faith. In other words, when I say yes to Christ and I would receive him into my life, by faith, 
that initiates this whole process. My faith in him initiates this growth pattern, if you will. But the whole thing is founded and grounded on love, on the love of God. Remember in Ephesians, we talked about it. We are rooted and established in love. It all hinges on the fact that God loves us unconditionally. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So everything hinges on the love of God. My faith is ultimately supported by and grounded in the love of God for me. Why can I have faith? Because I know God loves me unconditionally. So that's how they relate to one another. But how does that relate to us now? Well, to talk about that, I need to introduce you to super Christian. He looks a lot like Superman, but he's not. He's super Christian. This is super Christian. Now, we all want to be super Christian, right? Maybe we think that's the idea. I'm to be super Christian. I want to have all of these things in my life. I want to have great faith. I want to have great goodness. I want to have great knowledge. I want to have great self-control. And so I'm super Christian. And for me to be who God wants me to be, I've got to be this super Christian and have some great faith. So man, lay it on me. I can hold faith. I, I got faith, baby. So let's just stick it on here. I'm a man of faith. In fact, I'm such a super Christian, let's just throw some goodness on me. Let's just keep piling it on, baby. Let's just keep, whoop, wait a minute. He's not so good, is he? What's the point? The point is, it's all messed up. That's not the picture. But see, this is the picture that we have. That when we read this verse or we think, okay, I'm supposed to grow spiritually, we have this picture that God just lay it all on me. Okay, I've got to be a man of faith. Okay, I've got the faith. You want me to be good? Okay, put good on. Okay, put some self-control. And we just keep piling it on, piling it on. It's like we have to carry the weight and the burden of all this on ourselves. that it all depends on us. And we're trying to carry all of this, and we just can't. Because I'll be honest with you, there are times I'm having a hard time just hanging on to faith, much less everything else. That's not the word picture. Here's the word picture that he's trying to communicate. That's the word picture. We're not holding all of this. All of this is holding us. It is supporting us. It is our supply. So what that means very practically is this, we're not talking about a reward for working hard and striving hard. We're talking about a result of yielding ourselves to the Spirit. God is in the process of placing these qualities in us. Our job, our part is to desire God and to desire for him to put these in us. It's, in essence, a desire to grow. Really what he's talking about here is having a desire to grow and to continue to grow. And the payoff for that desire is spiritual effectiveness and productivity. Look in verse 8. 
He says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, you desire to continue to grow in your relationship with Christ. You continue to mature spiritually. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. In other words, idle and fruitless. In other words, here's the deal. If I desire to grow spiritually, if I have a desire to grow spiritually, I will grow. But if I don't have a desire to grow, I won't grow. And if I don't grow, if I have no desire, I'm gonna become idle in my faith. My faith becomes useless, it becomes fruitless. I become careless in my walk. I begin to drift back into my fleshly nature. I begin to crave the world. I begin to succumb to my evil desires. But if I desire to grow spiritually, then I'll grow and I'll bear fruit. I'll make an impact. I'll experience his power. I'll experience his, I'll experience his, his promises. What this is talking about, it's not a desire to obtain the gifts or the qualities. It's a desire to know God and to grow in God. When I have this desire to know him, when I have this desire to grow in him, then he begins to supply all of these qualities in me. I'm not working to get them. I'm just wanting to know God. I'm just wanting to walk with God. I'm just wanting to grow in my relationship with God. And in that desire and in that system, he begins to infuse in me all of these qualities that we're talking about. So the result becomes this perpetual motion of spiritual growth. Philippians 1.6 says it this way. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God started the process, God will carry you through the process, and God will complete the process. We are his work in progress. He is doing the work. Our part is to desire him. Our part is to desire to mature in our faith. Because what that desire does is that desire begins to instill in us some disciplines through prayer and scripture memory and worship and a variety of other things. That desire propels us into some actions. And in that desire, God then begins to fill us with all of these things we're talking about. And as we experience these things, that excites me even more to want to know him even more deeply. And when I want to know him more deeply, he infuses more of this into me and it just becomes this perpetual motion of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. That never stops. Unless... Our desire to know him ceases. So it's not working harder. It's not carrying more. It's yielding more and letting him support us. So with all that said, let me give you some take home this morning. How does that really apply to us? What, what can I really take home this morning that can help me not only understand this, but, but, but be who God's calling me to be? What will really help God fulfill his work in me. Let me give you four things. They all kind of intermingle and tie together. But here's the first one. Extend grace to yourself. 
You're his work in progress, so extend grace to yourself. No one's spiritual growth pattern looks like this. Nobody's spiritual growth pattern just is a straight line upward. Every one of our graphs kind of looks like this. Now, hopefully, generally, it's going up, but all has peaks and valleys. Why? Because we all blow it. We all make mistakes. We all go through seasons of life where we don't desire to grow, where we're struggling with our faith, where things aren't connecting, when we are succumbing to our flesh. We all go through those periods and those seasons in our life. So we have to extend grace to ourselves because God knows that. God knows who we are. He knows our weaknesses. That's why our faith is based on grace and not works. Every one of us are in trouble if we are saved by works. But we're not. It's by grace. And if God can extend grace to you, then you ought to be able to extend grace to yourself. Tied into that, you need to extend patience to yourself. Be patient with yourself. The old adage, Rome wasn't built in a day. Spiritual maturity doesn't happen in a day. Those of you that follow sports, uh, particularly professional sports, it's bled a little bit into college, especially college football, I think, but in professional sports, um, it's, it's worse. And that is this, the lack of patience, um, the, the immediacy to win from fans, from ownership, etc. You know, back in the day, a coach could come to a team and say, hey, I've got a five-year plan. And in five years, our team's gonna be here. We're gonna be playoff contenders or championship contenders, so here's, here's, here's the system. Somewhere along the road, that kind of shrunk and kind of, a, okay, we got a three-year window. You better do something in three years or, or you're out. And now it just seems like it's creeping that, man, you've got maybe a year or two, and if you don't drastically change this and make this losing team into a winning team, you're, you're gone, we're gonna bring somebody else in. That window's shrinking but there has to be patience. Uh, when I've heard some interviews, uh, especially with, with baseball players, since their season's so long, you hear some of these players that maybe the team's going through a rough patch, they, they were winning, and then they going through this, this, this point where now they're losing, or as a hitter, they've been hitting really well, but now they're in a slump hitting, they're not hitting well, so a reporter will say, hey, what's going on? Tell us what's happening, why aren't you etc. And they'll say something like the veterans, the mature ones that understand will respond by saying, hey, this is a long season. <laughs> There's going to be some ups and downs, but it's a long season. So during this season now, we're, we're going to continue to work. We're going to continue to do what we do. We're going to continue to fight, but, but it's going to come up because it's a long, they understand longevity and they have patience because of that understanding. This is the way it is with spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. We have to be patient with ourselves. We may want to be completely full of goodness and faith and knowledge and self-control and perseverance. And brother, I want it right now. And if I kind of lose control, uh-oh, I'm awful, I'm horrible, I'm terrible. Or if I cave under some pressure, <clears throat> then we beat ourselves up. That's not the picture here. What the passage is trying to say is be patient, extend grace. The key isn't the destination and being there right now, the key is maintaining this desire to know God and realize that I want to continue this throughout and the maturity will come, but it's, it takes time. But here's the third one that ties into it and that is forgive yourself. 
You have to be willing to forgive yourself. You have to let the past be the past. Maybe you're here and you've blown it big time in the past. Your past looks nothing like this. Your past has no desire to follow God. But you know what? It doesn't matter what your past is because we don't live in the past. All that matters is right now. It doesn't matter if never in your life have you desired to know Christ and want to follow him. It doesn't matter. All that matters is right now. What are you going to do right now moving forward? We can get so uh, stuck in the past, so mired in our past mistakes and failures that it just, it, it, it eats us up. It's like quicksand. It just sucks you deeper and deeper and farther and farther down into that hole. It just restricts you more and more. Don't let your past keep you from experiencing freedom and peace and joy and maturity and growth. Let the past be the past. I don't care if that applies to something you did 30 years ago or 30 minutes ago. It doesn't matter. It's all in the past. Let it go. As Paul says, I forget what's behind and I press forward. And you make that decision. Okay, the clean slate and starting today, God help me have a passion for you and a desire for you. Then the fourth one, which is what is really the main theme of the passage, and that's effort to grow. The passage says, make every effort to add these things. So that's the final application, just effort to grow. Desire to grow in your relationship with Christ. Desire to look more like Christ. Don't be content to be a nominal follower of Christ. Don't be content to stay where you are spiritually. Even if where you are right now is incredible. Even if you love God, you're following God, you're serving God, you're sharing Christ. I mean, even if everything is great in your walk with Christ now, don't be content to stay there. Maintain this consistent desire to want to move forward and deeper in my relationship with Christ and with the Father. Here's a prayer I'll invite you to pray this week. God, place in me an all-consuming desire to know you, to walk with you, and to be like you. God, place in me an all-consuming desire to know you, to walk with you, and to be like you. That's the essence of what he's trying to communicate here. Wednesday night at our prayer service, we sang a song, and one of the phrases in the song says, capture my heart again. That may be a prayer that some of us need to pray this morning. God, capture my heart again. It's easy in life. It's easy with all the busyness. It's easy when you're trying to raise children, uh, do your jobs, pay your bills, take care of parents, what, whatever's going on. It's so easy to get so mired and bogged down and focused in on all this stuff that we have to do that this desire to know God and to walk with God and to deepen our walk, it, it, can, it, can, it can just kind of slip away. Not intentionally, not because we're trying to be rebellious. We just can kind of lose that intensity. So maybe the prayer this morning needs to be, oh God, capture 
my heart again. Would you bow with me? Take a moment, let the Spirit just minister to you. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know if you've been trying to work really hard to be super Christian. But the reality is, man, just desire to know him. Just fall in love with him again. Just pursue him. And he will do everything else. (laughs) He will infuse you with everything that you need for life and godliness. In a moment, we're going to continue to worship together. I just encourage you either to worship, to sing, to pray, to meditate, whatever the Spirit's leading you to do this morning. Maybe you just need to spend time praying those prayers. God, place in me an all-consuming desire to know you. Father, capture my heart again. Father, we love you. We thank you that you've given us everything. Your divine power, your precious promises. You've given us the ability to stand in the midst of persecution and tribulation given us everything we need for life and godliness and father if we'll just seek you you will infuse us with yourself and with every quality that is a part of who you are so father capture us overwhelm us reignite a passion to know you Father, do in us whatever you need to do to reactivate the fire, to know you and to follow you. We bless you this morning. Minister to us now in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.